Hello world, my name is Hannah and this is my world where I am going to be humble, open, and transparent about my journey as the wife, the mom, and the boss. Hello world and welcome back. So today I want to talk to you guys about, I guess I'm going to get a little bit personal. Uh, For those of you who've been listening uh, for quite some time, you've heard my health story, right? Or my health journey about being diagnosed with erythema nodosum at the age of 14. And so for my new listeners um, and for my new watchers on YouTube, hello, Um, I'm going to kind of give a quick breakdown of what erythema nodosum is. It's also known as EN. So basically it is is a skin condition uh, where in the fatty layer of tissue right underneath the skin uh, there are hard nodules that will form that get uh, red and sore very uh, sensitive to touch uh, that can last anywhere between three to eight weeks or so Um, and so for me personally uh, long story short I've been able to manage the diagnosis by how I eat and working out And so um, since being vegan, uh, I really haven't had that many flare-ups with erythema nodosum. But recently, I have had a flare-up, and it's been like one of the worst that I've had since being vegan. Um, It kind of reminds me of the the flare-up that I had right before I decided to make a, a dietary change. To my life uh, back in 2012 uh, when I was pregnant with my son I had like three flare-ups within a 10-month span and that's what really made me kind of think about you know making a lifestyle change because the doctors were saying to me oh, okay well you know we can't keep giving you the treatment that we're giving you because over time it's going to start to deteriorate your bones so we're going to give you something else uh, just until after you you know, have the baby, finish nursing, and then uh, we'll give you a harsher treatment. So in my mind, I was just like, a harsher treatment? Um, uh, If this treatment is going to deteriorate my bones over time, what is this harsher treatment going to do? So, or more aggressive treatment. And so that's when I was just like, no, um, let me go ahead and just kind of do some lifestyle changes. Uh, The thing is, is that at the time of my diagnosis and even at the time of me um, being pregnant with my son, Uh, there wasn't a lot of research out there. There still isn't a lot of research as far as what causes EN. Um, They have been able to tie it to pregnancy. They've been able to tie it to, you know, having strep throat and all these other conditions and everything. But as far as like just underlying layers, which is what really needs to be treated versus the actual like diagnosis, um, there's just not a lot of information that's out there. So like I said, I've been able to manage it with my, you know, vegan lifestyle and with working out on a regular basis. I have no idea what it is that I've recently uh, consumed that caused this flare up to happen. Um, I can only trace it back to a supplement that I started taking that I think I may not have checked very well to make sure that it was vegan. Um, and maybe that could be the cause of it. Not quite sure, but I take it to just be like, all right, Hannah, this is the reason why you have to be, you know, on top of your health, why you have to be like so particular about the things that you eat because of this. But the reason why I'm talking about this today is because, um, with erythema nodosum, um, it is to me, uh, not as serious or severe as somebody being 
diagnosed with another type of ailment like cancer or sickle cell or you know lupus um and the thing about it is is i guess for myself um i i have a lot a, a large uh tolerance for pain right and so yes does it hurt it does it does hurt um it causes swelling in my legs sometimes the swelling can get so bad that it makes it difficult to walk um it does take place in the shin majority of the time um in the shin of your your legs um and it can travel as high as your your thighs i've seen pictures of people having it in their arms um fortunately i haven't had it travel um any further than my legs um and like i said it can last for long periods of time i mean when you look it up on research it'll tell you like three to six weeks I've had it as long as like two months at a time. So like eight weeks. Um, and it's it's difficult because what happens like with swelling, especially, you know, for uh, people who have dealt with that, you know that it really can tighten your skin. And so by it pulling on my skin, it does become very unbearable at times. Um, but I don't complain about it. I don't say anything about it. Um, and the other day, my husband and, and I uh, were talking about it and he was, you know, getting a little frustrated with me because one he doesn't like to see when i have a flare-up um because he knows that it causes me pain and he was saying to me he was like hannah if you're in pain then say that you're in pain he was like you don't need to sugarcoat it just because your diagnosis may not be severe as other diagnoses out there it's a real thing and it's real for you and you feel it only and only you can advocate for yourself about it and I guess for me, um, one of the reasons why I don't like to talk about it too much is because for the longest time, I think I carried shame from being diagnosed with EN. Uh, nobody else in my family, as far as I know, has been diagnosed with it. So it's not even like, oh, it could be a hereditary thing. I don't know if there's a chance that my children will deal with it later on in life or not, because there's, there's nothing to go by. Like, seriously... Um, one day I was able to eat shellfish. The next day I found out that I couldn't anymore because that was the trigger for me. And it was the trigger for me not early in life. Um, it was a trigger at the age of 14. And it was like, okay, you can't have shellfish anymore. And it's like, really? Um, and then since then, there's just other little things that I've learned that I could not eat because it was a trigger. And so, like I said, with not having anybody else in my family have dealt with it and there being so little research out there at the time of my diagnosis, there wasn't much that I could do. Um, once the, uh, the nodules go away, because it's, it can be so long of a bruising situation or just a tightening in, in the leg, it leaves behind bruises and scars. And, um, you know, for me, I was very self-conscious about it that for the longest time, I didn't wear shorts or skirts or anything because I had these marks on my legs. You would think that, you know, either I was just very accident prone and kept falling and hurting myself or that I was getting beat up or something. Um, but I, I hid it for a very long time because I didn't want to have to ask questions or answer questions about it. And so it wasn't until much later on in life that I decided to free myself from my diagnosis and just be like, you know what, I am not <laughs> my diagnosis. Like, this is something that I have that I've been able to manage, you know, thankfully without medication. I mean, is there, there's no cure. 
currently for erythema nodosum. Um, there's only treatment for it. And, you know, they try to give you topical treatments to try to make it uh, more bearable. Um, they do give you steroids. I've had uh, naproxen. I've had uh, cortisone. Um, uh, there's another one that they tried to give me. But basically, it was just like, this is what you're going to be taking for the rest of your life um, in order to manage it. And I wasn't for that. I'm not a big pill popper. Um, I just don't like taking medication like that. I'd rather go for a more uh, homeopathic uh, type of remedy. And so being able to change my diet made a very big difference in my life. Um, but recently with having, uh, this flare up, it's, I don't know, I guess it's a trigger and it has brought back, uh, just kind of, uh, thoughts of when I was younger, um, about it because it's, it's just like, man, I, I really thought I was doing well, you know, um, and now it's back. And, uh, the other day, a, a friend of mine who, um, wasn't familiar with my diagnosis I hadn't I mean I've, I've talked to her about it before but she's never actually seen me go through a flare-up and so we were um at our our son's uh soccer game because her son also plays and so she saw my leg and she was like oh my gosh Hannah what happened because my leg was swollen and I was explaining to her what it was and she was just very concerned because she never you know saw me deal with it before and she didn't realize that it got this bad and, you know, I was just trying to reassure her, like, I'm okay, it's fine. And I downplayed it, you know, I downplay it a lot, like I said, because I just feel like it's not as severe as some other people that I know of what they're going through. Um, you know, it doesn't cause me to have to go to the hospital and to, you know, seek treatment or, you know, have to be, um, stay overnight for observation or anything like that. And I just, I don't know, I guess for me, I just see other people who have to deal with that, other people who have ailments where, you know, it may cause them to lose their hair or they have to take treatments that make them sick or, you know, just, it's just more severe. And I guess for me, it just, I don't know. I downplay what I deal with because I just think it's not as serious as the next person. Um, is that a good thing? Is that a healthy thing? I don't, I don't think it is. You know, uh, there's a part of me who feels like, you know, um, not to say that it's the Christian thing to do, but as a believer, you know, um, the Bible tells me that I'm supposed to count it all joy and, you know, um, that I'm supposed to know that all things work together for my good. And I feel like sometimes because of those scriptures, because of us supposed to, you know, us remembering that, you know, God will work everything out for our good, that this may not feel good, it may not look good, but there's a purpose behind it. There's nothing that happens that's just by happenstance or, you know, a coincidental or just by accident. It, everything that happens has a, a purpose and an intention behind it. Do I know what the purpose is of me being diagnosed with EN? No. Um, <laughs> do, you know, do I... Do I understand it, the, especially the fact that nobody else in my family has it? No. Um, I really don't know why I have to deal with this. There have been times, just to be completely honest, that I've said to God, like, why me? Why did I have to have this? I remember one time I even said to Anthony that, 
you know, this was my thorn. Uh, I don't know if you guys, uh, you know, know the story uh, in the Bible where, or, you know, I think it was either Paul or Peter, <laughs> but was talking about this thorn in their side that, you know, God didn't take away. Um, I remember one time saying that, you know, this was just mine. It was my lot in life. Uh, <laughs> this is my cup to drink from. Um, and I just have to accept that. Uh, but at the same time in accepting it is I have to be completely honest with myself about how I feel about it um, because God already knows my heart, right? He already knows how I feel about the situation. So I'm not um, hiding it from him. You know, I can hide how I really feel about it from other people by downplaying it and say that it doesn't bother me um, and that I'm good. I can even deceive myself and and believe that, oh yeah, I'm fine. Um, but I'm really not. <laughs> and that's just the truth of the matter. Um, no, it's not as severe as what other people deal with, but it's the diagnosis that I've been given. And the fact that it keeps coming back, sometimes it makes my faith grow weak because you know, um, I want to believe that I am healed. And, you know, I, I, there are times because I have, um, you know, spoken to other people or in tried to inspire or encourage other people by saying, you know, food can heal you. Um, and that's what food did for me. It was a healing factor. It has allowed me to manage having erythema nodosum without taking medication and so when I have a flare-up it's kind of like this constant reminder are you really healed <laughs> have you are you really managing it well um because it came back and so you know are you sure you don't need medication you know even Anthony said to me the other day he's like are you going to go to the dermatologist about it you know, um, are you going to allow them to to prescribe you something for it? And, you know, I understand that he's asking these questions or trying to encourage me to go because he cares about me and he doesn't want to see me in pain. And he sees when I limp because sometimes, like I said, the swelling may cause difficulty with walking. So I may walk around with a limp a little bit. You know, he sees this and he's just like, Hannah, like don't let yourself suffer just go to the doctor but I guess a part of me is just like but no like I'm is me going to the doctor saying that I don't believe that I can be healed from this or is me going to the doctor saying that I'm I'm not healed you know and I think about my mother in in love um you know Anthony's mom she was diagnosed with sickle cell she lived with it all her life, but you could not tell her that she was not healed. Even in the midst of a crisis, she just kept saying that she's healed. She, I, I'm healed. And, you know, when you look at her story, when you look at the things that she was able to accomplish that the doctor said that she wouldn't, you know, she lived to 64. They didn't think that she was going to live that long. And she did, you know, she gave birth to two children. She has six grandchildren, you know, it's just like, all of these different things that she was able to accomplish that the doctors were saying that she wasn't. And even though, you know, she may have passed due to complications of sickle cell, you still could not tell her, you know, that sickle cell won because it didn't. 
it didn't win because it didn't take away her life. It didn't take away her living her life and doing the things that she wanted to do. And so she's a real inspiration to me because of the fact that like she dealt with so much with sickle cell. And and the, the thing about sickle cell is, is that, again, it's one of those, I guess the reason why I relate to her so much is because only the sickler knows the type of pain that they're in because the doctors aren't able to to tell how much pain they're in you know um she would tell me stories about how nurses you know thought that maybe she was just addicted to the drugs because you know she would be in pain and she you know would press the button for them to come and to give her you know, some more pain medicine and they're just like, no, we can't give it to you because you just had it. And she's like, but I'm in pain. And she never even took the full dosage of, of what her pain meds were. She would break them in half and take a half of it and just deal with the pain slightly, you know? And so I relate to that because of the fact that nobody knows the pain that I feel from having these things. And, you know, you, if you don't see it, you know, you, you can't tell how bad it is, you know, and, and, and that's like with my friend, she, it was because she saw the bruising on my leg and, you know, how big it was and how red it was that she was just like, oh my gosh, Hannah, like, are you in pain? Are you, you know, but I don't, majority of the time, if I'm having a flare up, I'll be wearing long pants and covered up and you'll never know what I'm dealing with. And the thing is, is that how many of us walk around not showing what we're going through, you know, and so and we don't share it or we feel like we don't have a right to feel the way that we do because of pain that we're dealing with. And, you know, like there's a um, it's a quote, but I've also seen it on a shirt where it says that not all disabilities are visible. And that's so true. You know, like there's I, I've heard stories of of people seeing somebody park in a handicapped spot. Um, but when they got out of their car, you know, they didn't they weren't using a walker or a wheelchair or anything. So, like, why do they need to, you know, park in a handicapped spot? But you don't know what that person went through. That person could have had hip surgery where it qualifies them to park closer so they don't have to walk a long distance. You know, um, there's other reasons why people can get a handicap sticker, you know, um, to, to place in those. It, but why do we have to question that? Why do we have to see what a person is going through or see or feel what a person is going through in order to validate what it is that they have you know and no a lot of people out here I don't want to have to wear a label that says that you know this is my diagnosis and this is what I'm dealing with to make other people comfortable I feel like a lot of times we want to label people so that because it makes us feel better it makes us feel better to label you to say that you have this disorder or you have this disability, you have this disease, and so now I know what you are. But I'm not my diagnosis. I'm Hannah. You know, a cancer patient is not their diagnosis. They are who they are. You know, we shouldn't have to be labeled as something. A, a, a friend of mine, you know, she had um, cancer and she was in remission. And I remember her sharing a story about how she went to 
to go and get a massage. And something as simple as getting a massage, cancer changed her life from that, you know, because there's a box on, you know, the questionnaire that asks if you've been diagnosed with cancer. And she had to check the box. And once she checked the box, it just changed the whole atmosphere of how she was treated, you know, and they were just like afraid to touch her because they were like, oh, we don't want to cause anything. And she's like, all I wanted was a massage, you know, like why does the diagnosis have to define who a person is, how a person is treated? I don't know how many of you watch the show A Million Little Things, but, you know, I, I think about the episode where um, Maggie is uh, talking about how, you know, she ended up pregnant. And like immediately she knew that she had to make the decision to terminate the pregnancy because of her cancer. And she, you know, made such a profound statement because she was talking about how, you know, here it is, she's in remission and she feels like she can live her life now and do her own thing. But cancer is still dictating what happens in her life. And there's a lot of people who feel that way, that they feel that their diagnosis, whether they're in remission from it or not, like it's dictating what they do or it's dictating, you know, who they are. And it's just like, I want to be free from that. I, I want to be free from the judgment. I want to be free from having to, you know, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm hoping that you guys understand what I'm saying. I mean, for me personally, it's it's hard because I, yes, I have a diagnosis. It's It doesn't define me. It doesn't declare who I am. But at the same time, because I don't want it to define who I am or dictate my life or, you know, hold me back from things that I want to do, I downplay it because I feel like it by me downplaying it and, and acting as if it doesn't exist, then I'm able to live. But at the same time, when I'm actually having a flare up and dealing with it, I'm not dealing with it <laughs> because I'm I'm trying to say that, oh, yeah, you came back, but you're not going to have a control over me. And so then I find myself being alone in it and I don't have to be alone like my husband is there my friends are there you know to to care and to to listen to me and to understand but I guess I just feel like I don't want to be a victim I don't want you I don't want to have a pity party I don't want you to feel sorry for me and because of those things I feel like sometimes we are for me let me just own my own <laughs> Um, I think for me, I just don't want, I don't want to be defined by it. I don't want people to look at me differently because of it. You know, I'm not going to allow myself to be ashamed of my diagnosis. And I, and I make sure that I refer to it as, you know, this is what I was diagnosed with. Like, I don't want to take claim to it. It's not mine. <laughs> it's not mine to keep, you know, um, it's, it's what, has been found I'm not in denial about having it but I do declare my healing um and I do believe that I'm healed even though there's times where doubt may try to slip in uh to tell me otherwise because I'm having a flare-up um I still believe that I'm healed 
I still believe that I am able to manage it. I just need to be more careful about it. Um, make sure that I'm reading all of the ingredients and stuff that I'm buying. Make sure that I'm eating more fresh whole foods uh, than I am eating processed foods because vegan or not vegan, process is process. And, you know, having too much of that is not a good thing. I mean, and it could have been, that could have been my trigger, you know, because I have been eating a little bit more processed foods than I should be. And I just need to go back to, you know, doing right for myself and for my body. But I'm sharing this because it's therapeutic <laughs> to share it. And I hope that somebody else out there can, can relate, you know, to what I'm talking about. You know, if you are dealing with a diagnosis and you've been downplaying it because you don't want people to feel sorry for you or because you don't want to be defined by it, you don't want it to control your life or to control you or dictate what you do, um, allow yourself to feel. Uh, you know, don't, don't be in denial about it like I have been, about the pain you know, if it is painful, you know, it, it could be mental health, which is something that, you know, yes, society has been talking about it more, but I still feel that there's some of us out there who are dealing with mental health issues that we're still carrying around the shame of it and not wanting to share because it's not a visible thing. Um, and it's not something that other people can feel or see, you know, it's, it's easy for us to be more empathetic to somebody who's in a wheelchair or who may be on crutches or someone where we can see that they have like a prosthetic limb, you know, um, it's, it's easier to, to show and to, to, to have empathy for that. But for someone who may be dealing with something, especially us as believers, because we're told to count it all joy, we're, we're told that we're supposed to be, you know, happy and be grateful and, and look at our blessings and not focus on, you know, the negative things. But if you're dealing with depression, then it's OK to get help. It's OK to talk about it and to deal with it up front and not feel ashamed of it. Um, you know, like I said, for me, mine is visible if I reveal it. I can hide it very well with wearing long pants or long maxi skirts, long maxi skirts or dresses. You know, it doesn't have to be seen. It's not until somebody accidentally, you know, bumps up against it or something. Or like the other day, my son didn't realize that I was having a flare up and he grabbed me by my legs and I was like, you know, he was like, oh, I'm so sorry. Um, but I can hide it. But I have to ask myself the question, why am I hiding it? You know, like, I don't have to be defined by it. And I don't have to let it control my life. And just because it comes back um, or I have a flare up, it doesn't mean that, like I said, that I'm not healed, even though that's the thought that may come into my head. Um, and if it becomes unbearable, there's nothing wrong with me making that call to my dermatologist and scheduling an appointment and listening to what she has to say. And if she feels like the best, you know, course of action is to prescribe, uh, some medication, 
I don't necessarily have to be 100% opposed to it. <laughs> you know, um, I just personally, like I said, don't like taking medication. But if it's going to be better for me um, and make it easier, then I should be okay with taking it. And I do know that, you know, for for me also, like I don't want to become dependent on the medication in making me feel better. Um, I've, I personally have, have, have not had to deal with becoming addicted to, to painkillers or drugs or anything like that. But I do see, um, how other people have struggled with that. And I know that that's not something that I want to go through. So I know that's one of the reasons why I don't like taking medication either, even the slightest, you know, uh, milligrams or whatever but yeah I just kind of wanted to to share these thoughts with you guys um because I found myself being very reflective of this and how I have not allowed myself to be real with myself about my diagnosis um or the diagnosis of having um erythemonodosum and I don't want to be defined by it I don't want it to dictate my life I don't want it to be the reason why I do or don't wear shorts or skirts you know um and so I feel like it's best for me to just put it out there that this is how I feel and this is what I'm going through rather than to hide it and just you know keep the thoughts to myself and hopefully you know, like I said, there's somebody else out there who can relate, whether you deal with the same diagnosis or you have something different and you feel like you've had to downplay it because others just don't understand. So um, as always, I hope you guys got something out of the podcast and um, you can always connect with me on Hannah's World at uh, on Instagram <laughs> um, or on Facebook at um, Hannah's World. And then you can also continue to send your listener letters to hannahsworld00 at gmail.com. So until next time, peace out.